Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 210 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Hostages from the hardcore hotbed of Chicago, Illinois. The song was called Rot. It was uh, mostly beat down, but had a little bit of deathcore, even a little bit of new metal in there, and that's all right. We do everything here on Getting It Out Podcast. We do whatever we like, and we like a whole lot of stuff, right? That should be the motto. It's not a good one, but it's not the worst one. That could also be a motto about the podcast. Uh, I want to shout out to Hostages for sending their track into Dan at gettingitout.net. Um, that's the, my email address, and you can just send me your songs, and I'll more than likely play them on the show. Uh, this is the first hardcore-related episode I've done in quite a few weeks, and I'm happy about that. Uh, not because I haven't done any, but because I get to do another one. This time, I'm talking to Brett Rasmussen from the legendary Ignite. But before we get into that, I want to suggest you go check out the rest of Hostage's new record, Climate of Hate, out now on Don't Panic Records. Stream it everywhere or go buy it on Hostage's website, hostages312.wixsite.com. All right, let's listen to the best crossover hardcore band from New Jersey right now to the Getting It Out podcast intro song. Here's Hot Zone. What's good, all you bitches and bitches? It's the illustrious Hot Zone back at it again with another podcast intro. He said, Oh, you want to do a podcast intro for the Get It Out podcast? He said, Oh, shit, I got to write a rap first, don't I? He said, No, you don't got to write a rap first. It's a hardcore podcast. He said, All right, I think I can maybe make that happen. Let's see what we can do. Kick it. Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me. All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out? Get it out! Alright motherfuckers, you're in the right place at the right time Rest in peace, J Money, and LFTW forever. Okay, so here we are, into the episode. This is the important part. Um, this is where I tell you that I've been listening to Creed a lot lately. Yeah, Creed. I listened to My Own Prison, followed by Human Clay. That's the, as far as I know, the, f- the first and second record from Creed. And uh, you might think, hey man, Creed sucks. And you'd be wrong, because uh, have you heard the song One? Off of uh, off of my own prison, the last track, man, I'd put that up against Metallica's one. I'm not saying it would win. I'm just saying I would put it up against it. It would be they both have the same name, right? And you can't argue that. So don't even bother. They definitely do. Uh, but yeah, I was listening to Creed, and I was like, man, Creed was a big band. Man, Creed was Creed was huge. I think Scott Stapp eventually became a meth head or something, and that's fine. You know, people go different paths, right? But uh, they had their moment. They were they were enormous. And some of those songs, uh, they still rock, and I don't care what you say about it. Uh, but uh, it made me think about a lot of things. But uh, specifically, my friend in high school, he used to tell, tell us all that, uh, that the song Higher used to get him pumped. Pumped up to fight, specifically. He said it was a good fight song. 
And uh, that always seemed odd, but uh, at the time, he had uh, more like actual fight experience. So it had to fly because who could argue that? He actually got in fights. So, uh, you know, I guess if he said Creed's higher, got him pumped up to fight, then it did, you know? He One time he, uh, in self-defense actually, he hit a guy with his skateboard in an after-school fight. It was one of the ones where you meet in the church parking lot. And uh, the guy was, you know, bigger, stronger. Uh, he was kind of like the jock guy picking on the weirdo kid. And uh, my boy, he, uh, my boy, my buddy, he, uh, he, he, in the self-defense, clocked him with his skateboard and then beat the piss out of him in front of the whole school. And it was like a total, uh, total, total victorious moment for all the weird kids. It was a massive victory for, you know, the freaks in the high school. And uh, I was cool, cool enough that, <laughs> that I could float between both crowds because I was a skater kid. I was also a, a basketball kid, so I didn't care who won. Let's just uh, let's just see a good fight, right? But anyway, I was pretty good friends with this guy, and uh, th- that was that was like where the, the world shifted a little bit. But then, <laughs> then like later in the same year, he got busted uh, fucking his vacuum by his girlfriend at the time. For some reason, she told us all. She told us she walked in on him having his way with his vacuum, which I think was popular in the '90s. I don't really remember how that became a thing. There might have been a movie that did it, so so, so everybody was like, "I'll try that." Uh, thankfully, I didn't have a vacuum with a hose, so no worries there. But uh, this guy did, and uh, the whole school found out about that. So I guess the universe kind of balanced that one out, huh? You know, it's it's a shame, but <laughs> you know, whatever. He had his moment, and uh, Creed had their moment too. And you know, probably all of them are drug addicts now at this point. I couldn't tell you personally; I don't really know. But uh, that's that's likely it. I went to see Creed once when I was in high school. I had free tickets to go see Creed. Because I was on the street team for the band Mad at Gravity. Do you know the band Mad at Gravity? You probably don't. They kind of had a minor hit that I don't even remember. But I was on their street team and I had to go there to pass out stickers. They were supposed to play on that date, but they didn't. This was at Hershey Park. And uh, I went and it was 12 Stones, Jerry Cantrell, of course from Alice in Chains, and Creed. And 12 Stones went up on stage and they played... And the guy had, the bass player had long socks, and I'll never forget that. He had long socks and a headband. And that's all I remember, but I'll never forget that. Um, And uh, Jerry Cantrell was cool, and uh, Creed was there too. I don't remember if they rocked or not. They probably did. They had to have. That was like the height. That was the peak. But, you know. Anyway, enough about Creed. This episode is about Ignite and my conversation with Brett Rasmussen and their new record called Ignite. Um, so rather than me go on about other things that aren't important, let's just play you a song from that record, Anti-Complicity Anthem. It's the first track on the record. You might have heard it already. They released it as an EP earlier uh, this year and uh, or late last year. I'm not sure exactly when it came out, but it's, a, it's an awesome song. It's the first song that we heard their new vocalist Eli Santana on. And if you didn't hear it then, you're going to hear it now.
first thing I need to ask you is, uh, at this point in your life, how's your jump shot looking? Not bad, dude, but I, I got no elevation in my game anymore. That's why I switched over to golf. Oh no, you switched. So, so, all right. So I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan and I know you were a basketball player yourself. Yep. What is your involvement with basketball these days? Uh, so I used to go with my neighbor to, uh, these courts down in Newport beach and play in this gym uh, a few years ago, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I've spent so much more time now uh, golfing and uh, I watch a lot of basketball still, but um, yeah, I haven't been playing that much to be honest. It's kind of a bummer. I, I, I would like to get back out and play a little bit more than I've been doing. I don't think I've played in about a year. So, which is a total bummer. That's fair. I, I, I myself, I haven't played much either. I, I got a hoop that I roll out front every now and then that I shoot in the street, but that's it. When I play, I always hurt my knees. So uh, Dude, that's why I can, I only play in gyms now playing on blacktop is not an option. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to not an option at all. I used to play at LA fitness and get my ass kicked by, and, and that was like realizing my age where I thought I was still a little young. And well, uh, then some kids would just come in and dunk on me. And like, we would right. play in a league right here in Fountain Valley. And we played into our forties and dude, that's exactly the same thing that happened to me. We would go. And then these young kids would come in cause they're not age. They're just height leagues. So yeah. the junior college kids would come in with the Laverne college shorts and stuff. And you're just like, man. And then you just get, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get crammed on by some six two kid who's jumping out of the gym and you're just like, I don't belong. I, this is not where I belong anymore. <laughs> I belong on the, on the fairways and the, and the greens. <laughs> well, you, you play basketball. You, uh, did, you, did you play in college or just through high school? Just through high school. I wanted to go play at Fullerton Community College, FCC, um, but it didn't. I started doing the band right then. Yeah, yeah. So now you, you mentioned you watch basketball now. What do you watch, college or NBA? A little of both. Yeah, I'm a big UCLA fan. Um, my dad was a big Bruins fan, so I follow college – I mean, I follow most sports, so yeah. NBA, college, yeah, everything. So do I, I, I'm I'm a big Sixers fan. But back in the day when they had uh, when UCLA had the O'Bannon brothers and Tyus Edney, I was totally on that bandwagon. It was fun, dude. Those were fun <laughs> times. The funny thing is, is the O'Bannon brothers were supposed to go play at UNLV um, right after Stacey Ogman and Larry Johnson. All those guys were yeah, uh, yeah. won the championships, but um, that whole um, that whole um, team fell apart with all the crazy allegations and the stuff. So um, uh, Tarkanian got run out of town. So all the UCLA guys that were going, Sean Tarver, Ed O'Bannon, and um, his brother all went to UCLA instead. Yeah, that's, I feel like that was the last time I really watched college basketball. I, I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's fine now. But you know, everybody's one and done now. And uh, yep. And I'm, I'm. Well, now I'm uh, obsessed with uh, Joel Embiid and uh, whatever, whatever's going to happen here with the James Harden thing. And I hopefully he works because he's, <laughs> he's an extreme talent, but I don't know. He doesn't seem to be able to make it work anywhere. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, uh, we yeah. don't need to <laughs> talk about basketball. A basketball, <laughs> yeah, podcast. But, but maybe me and you should start a basketball podcast. Basketball Dude, and punk podcast. I talk about it all the time. I always say all the time that I'm going to start a – I'm just going to have episodes that are just me talking about the NBA and basketball. And I never do it, but I say I'm going to do it all right, the time. Right, 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 right. But anyway, all right. So um, Ignite, 1993. That's where it begins, right? Yeah, it actually began in 92, but we didn't have the band name till 93. So we technically always say 93. But yeah, me, me and our original guitar player started working on music 
started playing together in like late 92 or mid 92. So it's been, it's, yeah, we've been doing this for a while. What is that? 30 years ish. I, I'm not very good at math. I'm not either. I'm all like, it really, it should be really simple. We're at 22 minus 10, 30, it's yeah. 30, 30 ish. Right. Basically, basically <laughs> exactly 30. <laughs> um, so, but, but this, this time around, it's all very different. Not very, I mean, I'd say very different from my perspective. Yeah. Um, but, you're coming out with what is your first or is your self-titled record, which right. seems like an, something that most bands don't do 30 years in. Well, what is the significance of self-titling this Ignite record? Well, we had a couple titles that we liked and uh, we had thrown around the idea of doing the self-title thing as well. Um, it seemed to work for the Beatles white album and the Metallica black album into their career. So we were like, what about a self-titled? No. So we had some options. We talked to uh, Mike Gitter, our A&R guy at Century Media, and he loved the idea of self-titled. In fact, he was going to bring that to us as an uh, option to choose from. And it yeah. just feels like most bands, like if you think of self-titles, like Clash or Ramones or even like Foo Fighters or whatever, their first records self-titled then they move on from there right. um so this is kind of yeah it's kind of making a statement this is a a, re, a relaunch of the band and the rebirth um the next chapter so it it seemed to fit it seemed to fit for us um this is uh this is uh, which full length is this what do you got like four full lengths pre prior to this well yeah there was some european stuff too so um yeah five whatever five four whatever yeah so but um so you've released a lot of records at this point is my, is maybe not a lot, depending on who you ask, whatever you release several records sure. at this point. So when this record comes out, like what's the most exciting part about releasing a record this far into, into your career now? The cool thing with ignite is that, and I don't know if a lot of bands can say this or not. Um, our records that we put out each time are the songs that people want to hear. I mean, we put out Call My Brothers and Past Our Means in the 90s. And then when we put out A Place Called Home, people didn't even want to hear, like when we went to Europe, they just wanted to hear like Veteran and Run and A Place Called Home and burn up all the new songs. And we're like, wow, that's yeah. really cool that people just don't want to hear, oh, play the first album, you know? Right. Um, then when we put out Our Darkest Days, they wanted to hear that whole record. And we got a bunch of fans from that point forward where they didn't even know our older stuff. Like we would play our older stuff and they would ask if those were new songs. Yeah. Um, younger kids, right? Maybe they weren't sure. around going to shows 12 years before that or whatever. So that's been a really cool thing. So, I mean, that that's the hope is that with this new record is that people will embrace the new songs and want us to play them live because, I mean, that's what we do this for. We do it to make recordings. We do it to put songs out, but we really put music out so we can go play them, the songs live and really have the connection with the fans because that's where you connect with your fans is in a, sweaty room with kids crawling on the ceiling um or at a big festival with people crammed up front um and i love both i love the small shows and the big shows but that that's the thing is we hope these songs will connect with people enough to want to for them to want to hear them live yeah and and yeah. us to get a reaction from them live right right well i i i started coming into hardcore late to late 90s early 2000s right yep and and to me, when I got into it, it was almost like Ignite was already done. Okay. And I feel like that's happened a couple times where 
I think Ignite is done. I don't. Th- I think Ignite doesn't exist anymore. And then right. you guys drop another album, and it's it's just like a remind. But it's there's so much. It feels like there's so much time between your records that you fall off the radar, and then you put out a new one, and it's just like holy shit, this band is. It's they're still here, and they're still one of the best. Um, do you feel like Ignite gets forgotten about, and then? Well, the case in point, what you just said, you said it feels like Ignite goes away and then they drop an album. Well, it not only feels like Ignite goes away, but we do go away. I mean, there's gaps of 10 years, six years in between records. And I mean, that's not ideal, right? If you're trying to be a band that uh, is current and you can go tour and drop people in these cities that, oh yeah, we haven't been to uh, Salt Lake City in 15 years because we haven't put a record out in 10 years. And like, you can't uh, maintain a fan base in too many territories by putting out records with the amount of lapses in them that we have. But with that said, with the new team, the new kind of whole fire that's underneath us right now is we want to put music out because that's what we do. We write songs and there's 10, 11, 12 songs on a record these days. It's like, it shouldn't take you six years to do that. It shouldn't take a song a year or, you know, two songs a year to make an album. You should be able to bang out a great record in like six months. It's uh, quality, not quantity. And that's the thing. It's you want it to be quality, but I mean, once you get start getting into six plus years, that's, it's getting a little, it, that's, that's begging. <laughs> that's, that's begging to have that time frame be acceptable. So what we really want to do is we really want to put a, a, more music out faster, um, more records. We want to tour more and we just want to be a more active band. So 30 years in is now when you want to really push it. I'm sure I'm not to say you didn't want to yeah. before, but no, this is... totally. And we, we, put out a lot of music early in the first five, six years of the band. Um, we had that drive. We, and then, you know, uh, getting on different record labels and writing songs and touring. Um, yeah, it, there was definitely those longer gaps, but, um, yeah, we finally figured it out after 30 years. Is Sensory Media the first label that you've released consecutive records with? Yes, because Call of My Brothers was on conversion. Then we put out Pastor Means on Revelation Records, but the, then, uh, Call My Brothers then went to the uh, Revelation catalog. So right. yeah, actually proper releases. Yeah, this is our third, well, technically our third in a row on Century Media because we were on Abacus, but we were on Century Media in Europe, which Abacus was owned by Century Media. So it was technically, this is the third Century release in a row for us. Gotcha. Abacus, I remember that that uh, that label. That was supposed to be like the, the hardcore it was. label, and it, right? I, I, it was a good idea and it was the same kind of team behind it and the same you know you had the same machine behind it uh of century media but they wanted to separate like they wanted uh iced earth on a different label than they wanted sick of it all yeah and yeah. i got it but at the end of the day i just think sometimes those little ideas don't work you know no and i think in that, in that case specifically it was unnecessary because one of the things that i loved about century media that helped me discover so many great bands was the century media identity comps that they put out back in the yeah. 90s and i remember how ha- i remember i think maybe that's where i found turmoil or morale okay and, yeah but but on the same record it was something like iced earth they were found opeth who ends up yes. being one of my favorite bands ever yeah you know and it was all all these you know diverse underground music on on those cds and i, I thought it was really cool and uh and yeah i don't think they ever needed an abacus but it didn't seem to work but i know there's a lot of bands that put out pretty decent records on there uh yep. wasn't did, did you guys have anything to do with Think Fast Records or am I thinking of the other band you did? 
no, you're right. Um, we did, they did some uh, vinyl pressings for our darkest days. Um, those guys are great. They were really loved the album. And uh, there was a point where there was a, a lapse in vinyl availability for that yeah. album. And they talked to century and did a licensing thing where they did a couple pressings of the, our darkest days vinyl. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, yeah. uh, speaking of vinyl availability, that's uh, obviously a topical issue right now. When, when, uh, the self-titled record gets released in well about a month. Yeah. Is it expected to be all available? It's supposed to be. Day? I yep. mean, that was the reason why when we talked to them, when we turned the record in, in July, I think it was July. Yeah. Um, and we asked what the, we were hoping for an October release date. Mm -hmm. um, Cause we thought also the pandemic was coming to an end at that point. It looked like <laughs> it was heading that way. <laughs> How many before, times does that happen? Before <laughs> the old Omicron reared its head. But um, yeah. yeah, they said, Hey, vinyl is so backed up that it's July. Now the earliest that we can have this come out and be guaranteed uh, a vinyl release uh, at the same time is uh, March. And we were like, Oh man, that's terrible. But I loved it because this is the first time that and i i want to do this for all the releases i like rolling out five songs before and promoting the heck out of your record yeah. because in, in the past the old school way was do a little marketing before the record comes out do a bunch of ads in magazines and then all quiet on the western front after that you didn't get much push you know because yeah. we didn't have songs going to radio we didn't have a reason for uh, a label to push something to headbangers ball on mtv or something so this is way cooler in my book of getting to release five songs before the album up, do a bunch of marketing roll out, uh, do a bunch of press. I, I think it's fantastic. Cause I think it just gives this whole thing more legs. That's interesting. You don't hear that from a lot of veteran musicians now, you know, a lot of people want it the old way. I personally like listening to albums in full, yep. but I like, I really enjoyed that. You put out that first uh, anti-complicity anthem with the, I forget what the B side was. Yeah. Our old song turn. Yes, yeah, that's right. And, uh, and like uh, that was a, a good one. I felt like that was a good one to whet the appetite, right? And totally. uh, especially the, the track "Anti-Complicity Anthem," because as we should have mentioned already, that this new album is your first album with uh, with Eli Santana on vocals. Yes. Um, and when I saw that you had, here's what I read when I saw it. the guy from Holy Grail is now in uh, in Ignite, and I thought, oh, okay, and I know I know Holy Grail. I like that one record they did. That's cool. Never in my mind did it occur to me that it is that did it occur to me that he's the guitar player, not the singer for right. that band. Yeah. How, how did how did he get involved, and uh, how how long was the search for replacement for Zoli? So uh, end of the year in 2019, we found ourselves without a singer, and uh, immediately kind of talked um, early 2020. Okay, hey guys do we want to still do try and do this? Do we want to try and find somebody? Do we want to try and make that work? And everybody was like, yes, absolutely. I mean, me, Nick, Kevin and Craig, it's like a hundred years of being in Ignite together, right? Us together. It's like, so yeah. like, do we want to still do this? Like, yeah, we want to do this, but we don't want to make this like a three-year process of just dragging it out. We're like, look, if we find a guy this year in the next six months, basically, we were kind of thinking, um, and it works, let's do it. And uh, we tried a few guys out, but we were in the middle of this stupid pandemic. Couldn't really get into rehearsal rooms. Rehearsal places were closing down everywhere. Um, uh, so we're sending out a few demos to people, having some suggestions of guys, some couple guys reaching out, but we really only got together with one guy and had a few demos from other guys. And then uh, I was talking with our drummer, Craig, 
And I said, Hey, why don't you, I go, do you, why don't you hit up one of your buddies um, in one of the metal bands? Cause Craig has a bunch of friends in the metal scene. And I go see if there's a guy that um, anybody would think would work. So he reaches out to Eli immediately because he's friends with him and uh, Eli's an Ignite fan. And uh, he goes, Hey, Eli, who do you think would be a good fit for Ignite? And he goes, well, Hey, could I try? And Craig didn't really know he could sing at that point. And yeah. he's like, yeah. So we sent him over the uh, instrumental track of bleeding and he sent back uh, this MP3 with his vocals on it. And we were like, this is awesome. Um, <laughs> let's get into a room. So we did immediately. And it literally happened so fast. We got together one time with him. Two days later, we were working on new songs. And then like three months later, we're at lunch. And I looked across the table. We'd got together. We'd worked on 10 or 15 songs at that point. And I looked at Eli. I said, you know, you're in the band, right? And he, go, and he goes, we'd never even discussed it. It was just like, get to work, you know, blue collar right. mentality. And sure. he goes, well, yeah, I kind of figured I was, but I don't, didn't feel like it needed to be discussed. And I was it like, wasn't awesome. the official offer letter. You didn't. We didn't have our Metallica moment. No, we didn't. <laughs> no. Well, um, I guess, you know, when a band loses this, a band can lose like any member. Yeah. And it's not a big deal. But when it is the singer, it is a big deal. Especially yeah. for a band like Ignite, where the vocals are a huge part of what separated Ignite from from other bands. Totally. Uh, did, so, I guess you from the uh, from the jump, you're looking for somebody who can recreate what's what's already been done, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you have to do the back catalog justice, right? Right, and 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 that, but that limits your pool automatically, you know, immediately, and uh, it's. it's I don't know. It, it just seems like it, it might have been a frustrating search, but it sounds like it didn't have to be. No, and it wasn't. It was cool. And I mean, the idea of having another singer in the band um, first was in my head. The first time I thought of the possibility of it, um, just in general, was mm -hmm. in, uh, it was like in 2012, uh, John Bunch from the band Sensefield had to fill in on vocals for an entire month-long European tour. Yeah. And it was just so late and the, the bus was deposits, all the merch was printed, the flights were booked. It was going to be like a huge financial hit for the band if we didn't go do this show. And we're not at the point where we can take like a $25,000 hit and survive, you know? Um, so we went over there with John Bunch and I was really curious how it was going to go. We rehearsed for a week with him and we went over there and it was, it was amazing. It was amazing to see that the thing that matters to the fans, and I know individual members totally matter, yeah. but the thing that really matters to the fans is those songs because they right. were singing the songs back to us. I mean, we were playing packed clubs and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like the most, like the songs that the legacy of this band is, is the songs and uh, whatever. And then like, you know, eight years later, uh, we don't have a singer and I, I wasn't scared of, the fact of that we're going to bring a new guy out and have him go out and play these songs. Cause I'd already done it and it, yeah. it worked. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can say as a, as a guy in the crowd for bands that I've seen who don't have their original singer, or that maybe they have a fill in. Sure. Um, it's, it's almost it, it, the, the feeling that I always got was almost like, all right, we're all going to help. And we're, you know, yeah. it was almost like, all right, there's more of a group effort now. Like that mic is real is, is, is really everybody's totally, you know, get up there and do it. And uh, I think that, but, that, but I think that's definitely uh, something that's, uh, that'd be more, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's more hardcore related. That's Yeah, that's, it, it yeah. totally is. And I, people don't come to your shows 
uh, they don't pay a ticket to go in to see, to want to see you fail. They want, people want to go to a show and have a good time and like sing the songs they know and have it sound cool. So people, you know, they're on your team. They're like, they're there. Like you said, they're, they're like to join in on the microphone, join in on the singing and like make it, make it sound like the songs that they know and love, you know? And yeah. uh, yeah. And, and, and it's interesting too the band member thing, because it's like, if you, I mean, I start thinking about all the bands in the scene and I don't know if there's any bands that haven't switched members, you know? There can't be. There can't be. I mean, right? Like AF and Madball and sick of, sick of it all is the closest, but they sick of all and Pennywise, and Pennywise are like the closest. But you got Social Distortion, Bad Religion. All these bands have like, you know, Kill Switch, Engage, switched singers. How how many times now? It's like, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like yeah. so it can be done, and and in the for the most part, it it is done in our scene because it's like punk and hardcore metal. It's at some point there's a good chance that a member is not going to want to continue going sure. on the road, getting in a van, playing a small club in St. Louis and on a Wednesday night, and yeah. he's got kids at home and he's <laughs> put his job on hold. It's like, right. It, it sometimes is not very glamorous. So there's uh, a lot of times a good chance that bands, bands lineups in our genre are going to switch. Sure. Well, at this point, you're the only original, original member, right? Yeah. I mean, that, I was the only original member since 98 on. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's been a while. So, but like the, those, the guys that have been in the band, I mean, if you're in the band and if you're in a band for more than 20 years, you're pretty much kind of not an original <laughs> member, but you, you, you know, you have equity. You've got tenure. Yeah. You, 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 <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, that's, all, that's, that's the way I see it too. Um, there's, I don't know. There's so many examples of people who've kept, stepped in and you just consider them the guys from yeah. now on and it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter really you know it's about the songs like you said um so this record uh self-titled comes out on century media records march 25th i want to repeat that just you know yep. so people know the it, it was written when was this written is this a product of the pandemic i guess you had or did, were songs already done before you got the new singer before you got eli what mm. where does writing begin for this record Being we started writing immediately in like january february of 2020 Eli joins the band by like September, October. So we'd probably written, I don't know. I think we had 20 songs written by the time he joined. And then we wrote another like 15. Yeah. So we had a pool of about 35 songs to uh, pull from for the album. Um, so yeah, it was throughout the whole year, throughout all of 2020. And then I think even in 2021, right at the end, we ended up uh, challenging kind of ourselves. Let's write like three more songs. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we did. And I think two of those made the record. How many songs are on this record? I'm trying to look right now, but I lost it. The, there's a 10 on the vinyl, 11 on the European uh, digipack, and I think 10 digitally. So that was another nice. thing. We started looking at uh, the releases of all these bands and nobody's doing like 19 songs anymore. You know, nobody's doing a, like these big giant, like nineties, like records. Cause I think when CDs finally came in uh, and it was yeah. 72 minutes or however long is on a disc. Pack it all in. Yeah, like throw yeah. bonus songs and live <laughs> songs. And and to me, we kind of got a little caught up in that a little bit. Um, but it kind of, the back end of the record kind of starts getting diluted. So yeah. most of the records, like we were looking at the Turnstile record and the last Rise Against record and Bad Religion. And most bands are putting 10 or 11 songs on. And uh, I, we were like, that's, you know, I think that creates a lot more focus with your music. Well, the problem is is everybody's attention span now. 
Uh, it's I, true. I, I know myself and I know that I want to listen to a full album. I, that's what I want to do. But I yeah. also love when that full album, especially if it's faster music, is under 30 minutes. And it's totally, you know, like I because and there's so much there's so much music, right? It's, it comes at you so quick. I don't know about you, but I try to listen. I try to listen to new stuff every week. I do too. Every yep. week I have, I have the, there's one reason why I don't have an iPhone. Well, just one. Huh. And it's because I have a Samsung and with Spotify, you can drag records onto your, onto your uh, homepage, onto your, the face of your phone. Right. And okay. I have a, I have a folder in there where it's too, it's called to listen. And it's where I put every Friday I go in there. I put new releases in that, in that folder. Oh, that's cool. And then I listen. I listen to all of them through the week. That's what, like, like, yeah. I go on. I go on Apple Music, and I go to the like four genres. I go to metal, hard rock, rock, and sometimes alternative. And I because I want to see what the new stuff is, and I go through new releases. Yeah. And what what releases is Apple Music pushing? And it's cool, you know. On you go to hard rock, and it's it's rad. Now you see like, oh, every time I die, I know that we're friends with those guys. Comeback Kid, Turnstiles. Right. Like it's cool to see all the bands like that we we tour with like on these like big media like uh platforms these big uh music platforms i mean um it's it's cool I, I i yeah and so with that yeah a lot of discovery happens you know you find a lot of cool new bands or yeah, yeah. you find an old band that put out a record that probably wouldn't have been on your radar you know sure like yeah. like i don't know like i was listening to an album by failure you know not too long ago and yeah. it's just like oh this is cool i probably wouldn't have known this was out <laughs> so, so the digital streaming like platforms i think are pretty cool because like so much music's at your fingertips but how do you feel like how do you feel about it as a musician having your back catalog on there and i'm sure not seeing much in return i love it dude we yeah. went to indo we went to indonesia and i know where we sell records i know i get our yeah. I, I know that like we probably haven't sold a ton of records in indonesia we went there we played this big festival with lama god <clears throat> like five years ago and there was like 30,000 people at this festival and a large, large group of them were singing all the words to our songs. And I was like, Oh, that's, and that was really before uh, digital streaming was really, I think streamlined. And that was probably a bunch of pirate uh, mm -hmm. piracy going on. And I thought it was cool. I mean, I always thought music should kind of be free or some, I had, I didn't have enough foresight to see that it would be a subscription thing, which I think is genius. Um, but everybody should be able to have access to the music, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, as a consumer, I love that. But uh, and the thing about the Indonesia thing, I, I had a band for a little while in Baltimore, and we had a an Indonesia like uh, moment where suddenly I just looked at the you know analytics, and it was yep. it was just the Indonesia just going nuts over there. Like nobody totally. knows our band. Nobody knew our band outside of you know our area, but suddenly it was blowing up in Indonesia. I, I love it. I love it. I love seeing all the different places. I mean, you go to Spotify and there's 130 countries that listen to Ignite. And it's we've crazy. played a ton of countries. We played 50, which yeah. feels like a feels like 500. And I'm looking that that's, you know, barely a third of the places that listen to Ignite, you know. So it's I love it. I love that the music spread everywhere and it's easily accessible um, by people. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned earlier that uh well just thinking of you enjoying the fact that people can listen to your music and, and liking the streaming services you usually hear the opposite from musicians um who you know just want the want the income from it but earlier you mentioned how not going on tour when you had john bunch filling for you 
that would have cost you like $25,000, right? Or whatever number you said. Yeah. Can you explain to people who don't know why not going on a tour is going to cost you money? Well, I mean, it, it depends how far along into the tour, you know, for that. Yeah, say, it's a, say it's a last minute cancellation. And yeah, that, I mean, there's a lot of times, you know, you buy the tickets that are in the summer, you buy the $1,200 tickets instead of the $1,700 tickets because they're non-refundable and you think you're saving 500 bucks. But then if five or six guys can't go, all of a sudden that's 10 grand, yeah. you know, on in non-refundable <laughs> or the way the airlines do it, even the refundable ones, you pay the fair difference and then the cancel fees. And you're like, I just basically bought another ticket. You know, I just spent 800 more dollars to make this transferable ticket transfer. Um, there's merch, uh, uh, <clears throat> merch, uh, merchandise that you, uh, can put deposits on. There's, uh, bus deposits, you know, buses are in such high demand during the summertime that a lot of times that the companies require a deposit. And once it gets to a point, they're non-refundable and, mm-hmm. um, because they don't want to be, you know, have a bus sitting in their yard for 25 days when it could be out making $1,500 a day. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of factors that can go into this. And, you know, a band like Ignite, um, we're kind of like a paycheck to paycheck type of band. You know, mm-hmm. we go on a tour, pay bills and, and uh, go to the next tour. We're not like, dudes aren't like socking away money and buying big houses or anything like that. It's <laughs> like, you know, dudes work other jobs and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a passion band, you know? Well, you've uh, you've had a lot of success touring in Europe, and you seem to have gone over there a lot. I honestly, I just got back from Europe yesterday. I was over in, in, in Milan. And, Fantastic. Uh, for, the, for the first time, first time I've ever, you know, been over there. My wife's from there. I was going back to see where she was, you know, where she grew up. Yeah. Uh, what for you is your favorite spot in Europe to play? Um, I realize that's a whole continent. Yeah. I mean, basically like, um, the ones that have made like a lasting impression, we love, we're California guys. We love anywhere where we are. The club is, has access to the beach. So when we're (laughs) in Rome, we can jump on that train and be at the beach. If we're anywhere in, you know, Southern part of Spain or France or Northern, like anywhere there's a beach. It's amazing. Um, the countries that we, you know, Germany, Austria, Belgium, Holland, Hungary, Poland, those ones right there in like kind of Central Europe, Western Europe, um, those are the ones that we hit a lot because we have a ton of fans there. And those are amazing because the show experience there is, is incredible. The first city, the first show we ever played in Europe was in Sweden. And that was like unreal. We played a festival for our first show ever. It was, uh, I mean, we're, we're playing like, garage shows and backyard parties and nothing and then we get lucky and get on this tour with Slapshot in 94 18 months after we're a band we're on a tour bus with Slapshot heading to Sweden to go play with Oasis Blur Pennywise and Motorhead and Refused that's a hell of a lineup I'm like what is this um it was the Holtzfred Festival and so we got there and it's just at that point there weren't festivals in America um Europe was way ahead of the game on that. And uh, we show up and Midnight Oil's playing the main stage. I can see them across the way um, before we go on on our stage. And I was just like, what fantasy world is this that I'm living in? This is so incredible. So Sweden always has a special place in my heart too. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing country. Well, now that I've been, I want to go back, but uh, I never thought I'd even leave the country once, but yeah, now it's, let's go again. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's the, you mentioned them. What was Midnight Oil's big hit? Do you remember? Beds are burning. 
that's it that's the one yep how can we sleep with yeah okay i was i, I was asking because i didn't know no it wasn't a, it wasn't a test it, yeah yeah yeah. no that was <laughs> but i remember I remember, yeah. I remember watching because i was like i was home four days ago seeing this guy play on mtv i'm playing in a band that can't draw 20 people at home and now i'm playing this festival with mid midnight oil plane right there and blur and <laughs> getting ready to go on on the other i don't know it was surreal it was a lot of fun which you can Go ahead. What, what, what this? I mean, this would be all encompassing, I guess. But what would you? Would that be close to or near to what you would consider the highlight of your time in Ignite up to this point? At that point, it was beyond. It was like I'm. I didn't think we were ever coming back to Europe. I thought it was a one-time thing. I was going to school. I was working. There was no expectations for this band to do anything. Um, and I think that's what also made it so fun and what made made it like kind of stress-free. And there wasn't like a lot of stress at the beginning of the band to like treat it as a business and do it. It was just very natural. It was a lot of fun. The dudes in the band all got along, wanted to hang out, have it. We were just, we were almost as excited to just go have a good time as it was to play the music, like see things and meet people and go out. And uh, so at that point, yeah, absolutely going to Europe. And then two months later, cause it was 56 shows in, or yeah, 54 shows in 57 days. Um, which we just assumed was normal because that was our first tour. We didn't understand that was a lot of shows. Um, at that point, we did so well on the tour that we were like, wow, we're, the agency is offering us to come back and headline our, our own tour the next year in 95 and on a bus and put out another record through Lost and Found Records in Germany. It just started clicking over there. And in like 60 days of being in Europe, we realized that there was a lot of opportunity for us to actually become a band that was that could tour and and do music maybe not full-time at that time but um it there was just we just saw a lot of opportunity and we just kind of seized it and had a blast doing it and i think we really connected with that whole european fan base on that first tour that opened a ton of doors for us nice well do you know when or when would you say being in the band started to be stressful not that necessarily it's not not even in a bad way just where it was uh not always fun probably when we signed a tvt records yeah. in like 99 2000 and decided that we kind of wanted to take a shot at this because record labels were just throwing huge deals at bands and major labels were trying to scoop up everybody and we were just seeing all this and and promoting the heck out of your band and um at that point we're like man our management we had management at the time and they said hey write the record you're gonna write but if you guys can write a song with a big hook on it these guys will probably take it to radio and give it you know and try and get you guys on commercial radio because yeah. that's what they were doing. That's how labels were making money. They were selling records back then, you know? Yeah. No, I, I was a street teamer for TVT back then. I, you know, yep. That, was, that yeah. was my, that was my thing. Street teamer for every label I could be. And uh, I remember Ignite being on there, but there was, I mean, later there was other stuff like little John and uh, well, of course, seven dust was seven was dust was on it. VOD. They had just signed, they just signed Ignite. The, then there was the whole like kind of uh, like nine inch nails, type vibe on the label but then like they signed like Snoop Dogg's side projects and stuff so it was <laughs> it was pretty diverse it was a pretty diverse label similar to the label right now Monarch well E1 Monarch but they they do so they 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 seem to mirror that you know all sorts of all over the board yeah. yeah yeah now they you know they isolate some of Monarch heavy but but anyway it's yeah the songs that you've released so far the yep. river anti complicity anthem on the ropes um, the river comes with a video. I think on the ropes, you have a video as well. Yeah. Um, the river clearly lyrically and uh, visually is, you know, obviously a socially and politically charged song. 
which yep. is something that Ignite has done forever now. Um, yes. Is that is that what we should expect to continue despite the change in vocalists? You, yeah, I think definitely. I mean, this is like something like, especially a song like "The River." Nick wrote the lyrics to that one, obviously about this immigration, and I, I think the immigration problem in that song connects worldwide. But we specifically sure. wrote it about what's going on in our backyard right here in uh in the states and specifically also southern california right here 90 miles away to the border um yeah i mean we're gonna if there's issues like that that we feel passionate about or think that light needs to be shed on and we'll definitely do that i think there's gonna be a lot of personal songs on on the upcoming albums um too um yeah it's gonna be a mix i think but we're not shying away from uh, addressing social or political issues it'll probably be less environmental because that's just not that was something that Zoli brought to the table, but um, yeah, yeah um, definitely, definitely. And and I think a big thing with uh, a song like The River and I think a song, songs that deal with social political issues, um, for me, the immigration stuff was in the news constantly. Um, then we get into this pandemic and it's gone. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah. It, and you're like, oh, is it fixed? Is it, is it gone? Are there children being separated from their families or whatever the, the situation is. And it's not, and it's like, we need to keep shining some light on these issues because just because everybody wants to talk about COVID and now the Ukraine doesn't mean that the uh, immigration issues uh, in Eastern Europe uh, and America have um, improved. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I was, and like I mentioned, I was just, I just came back from Italy yesterday and I was reminded of, our immigration issues by their immigration issues and exactly like you said it's like well, we don't even talk about this anymore and watching the video for the river earlier today and just seeing i, I think it was maybe a newspaper clipping whatever you yeah know, you know how the video is where yeah. it mentions the kids in cages like i haven't heard the kids in cages shit no. for two years now out of yeah. sight out of mind right it's yeah, like yeah. um yeah and it, the crazy thing was that day when we went down to uh, mexico to do the filming um of the stuff we wanted to get capture in mexico um we went down to where the border wall hits the pacific ocean and mm -hmm. got some footage right there and it's crazy it goes out a couple hundred yards into the water we got the footage that we needed to get came back went home and i was looking on uh line uh we were i was going and looking for those uh kind of magazine or i'm sorry newspaper headlines that we were going to use for the video and i was like oh, somebody died going around that wall recently. And I was looked at the date and I was like, oh man, that was the day we were there. Oh, shit. Yeah, like a couple hours later, we were filming right there and there like a big group of uh, people trying to swim around, you know, it was like, so it was like, it was, it was, <laughs> it was pretty tragic. It was pretty, like I forwarded that to the guys and everyone was like, oh man, that's crazy. So it was a little bit of like, you know, dealing with that, like seeing that kind of stuff firsthand. Yeah, wow. How, how, how have these songs from your perspective or from your, where you're sitting gone over so far with long time Ignite fans have, have people um, pushed back at all for, from the addition of Eli or, or what's the, what's the reviews? I most of it has been good. It's been like 90% good, which was a bit of a surprise. Cause I think, especially online, it's easy for people to uh, be negative, um, yeah. but it's been super positive, but I mean, to be honest, there's still people that are, that think that tell me when I like old fans that like, oh man, the Joe Nelson and the Randy Johnson version of Ignite's my favorite. 
And I'm like, <laughs> that's 28 years ago before when Zoli started singing. So there's always going to be the people that we call them first demo people that will yeah. always want to say I'm first demo. We, I um, call them liars. I call them liars. <laughs> <laughs> we call them first demo people. Yeah. We're like, oh, now I'm only into the first demo. Um, but yeah, it's been fantastic. People, uh, there was a little bit right at the, the first song, um, a couple people, there was a, you know, some, a few negative things, but in general, in large, it's been super positive. People have been excited. I think people want to see the band play and see us back out on the road. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's been a pleasant surprise to see how much support we've, uh, has, we've gotten. With the, uh, with, with, well, I'd say with, with turnstile lately, mm-hmm. turnstile has like transcended. Right. And I feel yep. like that kind of opens the door for other bands to slip through. Ignite's always been a band that I felt like has commercial appeal to, to yep. a degree, you know? Yeah. Um, why do you think you've, you've never transcended, not necessarily like they have, but like, you know, why has there ever been a true like Ignite hit that has gone on to radio and been successful that way? There's been a few in Europe that have done well. Even on the early records, we had a song called You on Calling My Brothers that was uh, a big thing in Germany at the t- at back in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s was the DJs at the clubs at, would play rock music at the clubs. And yeah. that would be huge. And all the kids would go out and they would dance. And it was cool. You'd go to these clubs and they'd be dancing to like Pantera and Ignite and you know, Madball what and is, all this. How do they dance? Like moshing? Or kind of like, like yeah, yeah, kind of moshing out on the dance floor. And it was like, <laughs> a, it was like a concert without a band. Yeah, um, yeah. But they would play these songs. So we had a few songs in those days uh, that were on the top of the DJ charts because the DJs would report what they're playing. And uh, and then uh, in Europe, there was a, a little bit of uh, commercial success on a place called home and our darkest days. But yeah, we've never had our moment where we've transcended and gone to that next level. And I think a lot of that too has to do with the fact that we, um, we report following up um, for a long stretch of the band and releasing a record six years takes, you know, to put the new record out and follow up and all that stuff. If you're out, I, I think if you're out of, the press and the media um that's kind of detrimental to your band if you're gone that long if you're trying now tool can do it right because they're tool and they (laughs) they play arenas like they don't have to put a record out for every 10 years but we're not tool like people will forget about us and it's like it's uh yeah it's going to be cool to see how this band goes now over the next like five six years with potentially putting out a few more records in that time and see uh, how the reaction is well, it's been I, I it's it's been cool. Like I mentioned earlier, it feels like ignite goes away sometimes, and you say you do. But when you do drop a new record, it, it from my view has always been well received. I don't I I've loved them all. Um, I don't remember anybody being like I remember when our darkest days came out, and yep. it, it seemed like this huge like it seemed like a, a huge record from a band who hadn't put something out in I don't know. I think it was a six year gap. Six years, yeah. And uh, and I remember that being a, a big deal. And I was like, holy shit, they're, they're still here and uh, they're still killing it. And I feel like that's the same thing that's going to happen with uh, with, with the self-titled record. Um, the songs that I've heard so far, I love. Uh, do you have a personal favorite on this record? It, maybe is it one that hasn't been put out as a single yet? Um, I really I mean, I'm a big fan of the song The River, the second one we put okay. out. Um, yeah. And then the third song that we put out on the ropes. Uh, I, I, it sounds like classic ignite to me with a modern like kind of spin. Um, and that song, we dedicated that song to uh, John Bunch, 
um, because he passed away in 2016. So that was a, that was, that that song means a lot to me. Um, And there's some cool songs on the backside of the record. It's a little different. You know, we kind of went out to left field just a little bit, like we kind of always do, but um, yeah, I think there's some cool moments on the, on the CD that people are going to like. There's definitely some fast songs. The next song that's coming out tomorrow is a banger. It's our fastest, most aggressive song on the record. It's called This Day. And uh, I'm psyched. Um, And we shot a really cool video and that's coming out tomorrow too. And just the whole like approach on that song, I think is really old school and it has a fun feel to it for me. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that one. So there's there's quite a few records or quite a few songs that have been released now. How many, and you mentioned you, you like the idea of rolling them out, getting up to the record. How many more do you plan to drop before so March there's a 25th. song coming out tomorrow and then there's going to be a song a couple days before the record comes out. Okay. So half the record. So half the record. Yeah. 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 And you know what? The, uh, I'm a big fan of the band, the Bronx, and they kind of did the same thing and had cool little events tied in with each song, a video and then a promotional piece. And right, right. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a cool way to roll a record out. Cause again, they got a lot of promotion. They got a lot of legs. They got a lot of eyeballs looking at their record yeah. for five, six months before it came out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you're going to go on a tour domestically here through the United States in May. Um, it's not a, not a very long one, but you are coming right by two spots near me. You're going to be Harris. I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You're going to be in yep. Harrisburg and Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia for that stacked lineup. Um, yeah. The, the California takeover. Show. Yes. But um, but you're doing a show here in Harrisburg. Um, but the thing that I th- thought interesting looking at these dates is it appears that you're going on tour alone. Yeah, well, so we just wanted to hit the road. And then there was like Murphy's Law was on this Denver show. So we're like, cool. Yeah. Uh, it was anchored by the uh, Joe Hardcore offered us that uh, spot because Buried Alive uh, was going to be replaced on that right. Sunday that we're playing. So we were like, okay, we got Denver with Murphy's Law, Snapcase, Earth Crisis and Strife on the uh, the 15th. Let's put some stuff in between and maybe, you know, there'll be a couple other shows that we can do with other bands or if we have to headline them all, that's cool too. So yeah. So we just wanted to get out, start playing this music. That's cool. And you know, I was thinking, looking at it, I thought it might be COVID related, but it doesn't matter if it is or not. And then I was thinking that's actually a very good idea to tour by yourself, not in a package, just less chance for getting someone sick and shutting the whole thing down with the way, the way it operates now. We had an opportunity to go on tour with this band and I had never heard of them. It was a two man band. Two guys are in the band. Crap. I can't think of the name of them. And, uh, Blue uh our age, yeah, it was, no, that's just three <laughs> of those guys. Right. Oh, well, Anyways, Blue Man but that was in, that was in February. And, um, there was some punk bands of support on the bill, like Dr. No and stuff. And, uh, and we were trying to make it work and all the shows were sold out too already pre-sold out so it was like we were going to get a chance to play in front of a bunch of people in like thousand cap rooms we couldn't do it because of scheduling and thank goodness we didn't because our agent calls he's like man i'm glad you guys turned that tour offer down because it somebody got covid the whole thing got i mean we would be we would have been in like baltimore or where it was starting i think uh, and then making our way west and uh then we would have just drove out there and then drove home so yeah i'm we're all ready for this pandemic to be over like like <laughs> yeah. dude um it's, it's it's like let's let's yeah let's hope this thing just finishes yeah let me tell you as i just like i mentioned again i just came back from italy yesterday they they are they are still taking it very seriously over there and uh 
it was it made me glad to come back here and take it less seriously. You know, but I, I flew to New York in December um, yeah. to go see LCD Sound System at Brooklyn Steel. And we took an Uber from Huntington Beach to LAX, had to have the mask on, get out, go in the airport, had to have the mask on for the two hours of waiting for a flight or hour and a half. Then you get on a five-hour flight, had to have the mask on. You get off, you get in an Uber, go to the hotel. Have... I was so toast by the time we got to our hotel room <laughs> that of like having to have a mask on, I was just like... Cause kind of, I work a lot at home. Uh, some of my businesses I do at home and um, I don't have to like be out in public very much. So yeah, same here. I don't, I don't have a mask on very often, but man, that trip to New York was brutal having that mask on for like, and then, you know, right. First world problems you say like, Oh yeah. When you're flying to a concert to go, but yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, it was just like, when is this thing going to be over? And thank goodness it looks like it's heading that way. Yeah. We, uh, I, I can totally sympathize as I just had to do the, drive to JFK in New York with the mask on fly for seven, eight hours with the mask yep. on they, where they even tell you on the, you know, on the, on the, on the flight that if you fall asleep and your mask is off your, off your nose, we're going to wake you up to make totally. you put it back on, yep. you know, and then yep. you get to Italy and you can't wear You have to wear it outside. You have to wear it everywhere. They lifted that while we were there, which was nice, but, okay. my, lip, but nice. my lips were raw from where yeah. the fucking mess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was, you know, you had to, they have the green pass over there in Europe. You had to present that if you wanted to go in basically anywhere, you know, okay. which we, you could just bring like a VAX card if you're, you know, from the U S right. but, but it was, yeah. And they check your dates real, they were real tight, you know, and, yep. and to, for them, they got hit pretty hard. So they did absolutely, especially Milan. That was like the epicenter for a little while. So, uh, so I, you know, I get it, but, uh, but I'm, looking forward to it being over i'm sure i'm sure you i hope it goes well with the tour again small circle will probably yep. be to your benefit um so all that you know you've been doing this band now for 30 years you toured all over the world you put out tons of records you're changing singers now you you're at this point the only original member but you know we talk about that what yep. the hell is it going to take for you to stop doing ignite that's a good question what would it take I don't know. Um, I mean, we're just having a ton of fun. I, we don't feel I'm 50. The other guys in the band are, well, our drummer's 50 and the other guys are in their early forties. Um, we don't feel old. We feel like we can do this for a while. It was funny you say that. Cause I remember the, one of the first tours we did over in Europe was uh, in 96 with uh, we, did a tour with Madball. We we're on the bus with them and Vinny Stigma was touring with them at the time. Yeah. And uh, he seemed like 80 you know, at that time, because we, I was 25 and I was like, well, he was probably like 30. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, man, how long, I wonder how long Vinny Stigma is going to do this for. And I'm so glad there's bands still playing. I'm still, I still get stoked to go see Bad Religion, Social Distortion, uh, The Who, um, all the, you know, I'm glad guys are still doing it. And uh, why, why, why stop? You know, maybe we won't be as active on stage, jumping and running around, jumping off the drum risers and stuff, but I don't know. It's just a lot of fun music. And it's so rewarding. It's so cool writing songs at home and then recording them and then putting them out to the world to listen to. And then you show up to a club in Milan, Italy, for example, and there's 200 kids singing all those words back to you that you wrote on the, in, in your bedroom. You know, it's yeah. like, a, it's yeah. such a cool experience doing music and connecting with people and kids coming up to you at a festival and saying like, you're my favorite band. And it's like, I have my favorite bands and it's like, I don't ever think about my band being somebody's favorite band. Cause I'm just, I'm inside of it, but yeah. I don't know. I don't take that stuff for granted. You know, we got 
military guys saying, you know, we helped them get through their, <clears throat> their whole thing overseas. And I don't know that the stuff, the, the way we, that you connect with people through music and writing music and being a, a artist is uh, it's unparalleled. Like not too many people get to do this and, and we're so like grateful and it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool experience, man. Do you ever feel uncomfortable in those situations when people talk to you about how much Ignite means to them? Because like the, the way I would think about, maybe it's just me being how I am, like having someone come up to me with that heavy kind of, you got me through things, you know, that, right. that just it feels like it'd be, it'd be an awkward conversation sometimes. It can be. Every once in a while you think they're kind of kidding with you. Yeah. And then you see the look in their face, like, the, no, they're serious. Like, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's an honor when that, right, I, right. It, it, it can be a little bit, a little awkward when, if somebody's really like emotional or something, but um, I mean, I was just watching this thing with John Rahm, the golfer uh, yesterday on the golf channel. And he was dealing with a, you know, uh, he was not dealing, he was talking with this kid. He brought him out on the course that uh, there was this handicapped kid. And it was, uh, and it was just like connecting with people and showing people like, giving them the time and making people feel important and special is, is rad. I, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I just think it's cool. Do you feel like Ignite does the same thing for you now as it did when you started it or is this band taken on a different meaning? No, I, it feels the same to me. Yeah. I, I like writing songs, getting out there, playing it, connecting to the people, hanging out, having a good time, seeing my friends on the road. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's is the it same more, thing. Is it more fun now? Um. I don't know if it's any more fun now than it's always, than it's ever been. There's always been like difficult parts where it's like, yeah. you know, the, maybe the band's not getting along that great at certain points. And that's expected after 25 years, there's going to be some disconnect. There's going to be uh, some people that you get rubbed the wrong way, sit in a van for somebody for 13 hours and, you know, uh, have them, you know, re reach back and take their pillow out from under your head because, <laughs> or whatever the situation is, but that's going right. to happen. But no, I enjoy, I, I really enjoy every aspect of being in a band okay being well in, being being in this band right well the reason i ask that is i often find that people who've been in bands for a long time their um their perspective on it kind of changes and their expectations are different and it just it kind of takes pressure off to know what it is and why you're doing it and that's something you understand more when you're older rather than when you're yeah, I think one of the one. one of the potential stressful things can be um, once it gets to the point where you're kind of relying on it for income, yeah. um, then that's a different animal. Um, when you know you're waiting to get a tour or you're hoping a song does well so you can potentially pay your bills, um, that's like any job, though. You know, you, that's the stress of you know yeah. Yeah. any 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 artist. I think you're only as you know popular as you what your last record is or or potentially it can ruin your career if you put out a bad record so there's always that stress too so yeah there are some things that definitely that weigh heavy but um the the part about being in a band is, is super rewarding well you've also got a unique out in that you can blame everything on the i guess popular snowmobile guy brett rasmussen with one t dude I, <laughs> how many yeah. times do you get mistake mistaken for this guy I have never really gotten mistaken for him, but whenever, if I go to look up something, I always see him first before me. Does that mean he's more popular? Does that mean more people like him than me? Probably. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't go to his account because I didn't want to give him the credit, but uh, right. there's just one T separating you guys. So I know. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That's, a, that's funny. 
But all right, man. Hey, I don't think I have any more questions for you. I mean, I could I could ask all sorts of things, but I, but I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, okay. The new record, from what I've heard, is is great, um, and I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. The new song you said drops tomorrow. I don't know exactly when I'll have this out, but it'll be yep. next few days. Um, few singles out there now. One thing I wanted to ask is: Are the anti-complicity anthem EP songs on the record? So anti-complicity anthem is track one of the full length and then the b-side is exclusive to that gotcha. seven seven inch or digital ep whatever you want to call it and that's being pressed and that's going to come out on revelation records um oh i didn't know that with some fun color vinyls and stuff but yeah. again because because of the uh backup in the vinyl um uh whole industry that's um they're waiting for that as well yeah that's it's crazy right now it's <laughs> i know guys yeah. who run in labels who are just not even bothering it, they're not it's they're a just, year it's a year out it's a year out yeah, about yeah or more <laughs> yeah like i said i know you know guys who have a great new band with a lot of probably people you know and uh they're not even doing their record because there's no point you know? well <laughs> it's, it, it's recorded it, and sitting there there's just well, just here's one thing that like that we kind of a little bit of a thing about the vinyl that we ran into so we didn't know what the artwork for the album was going to look like so the label nine months ago was like what color vinyl do you want i'm like oh man i don't know i want it to go with the artwork right i want it yeah, to look yeah. cool when you pull it out and uh so we were trying to go with kind of neutral colors like silvers and golds <laughs> and whites and stuff that would kind of but then we were like oh let's do an orange for one of the colors but then the whole artwork ended up being red and our graphic designer was like okay so these are the what the uh vinyls should be to go with the album i'm like i that ship sailed like <laughs> seven months ago i go i go i don't even remember what we picked so we we tried to switch the orange to red to have a go but our label was like yeah no <laughs> well was, no you would have had to, we would have had to order that like seven months ago it'll be impressive enough like i mentioned earlier that you just have the records when the record comes out so that, yeah. knock on something man yeah, let's yeah let's I hope got, nothing i got butcher block yeah. right here so exactly i got <laughs> I got some, I got a press board desk. So there's, there's some wood in there. <laughs> some wood. Yeah. There's fibers. Yeah. yeah. All right, man, bro. Well, thanks for doing this, doing this talk. I appreciate it. I love your band listening for years. Um, anything else we missed you want to plug? No, I just, we're stoked to be doing this and we're stoked that we got together with Eli, such a great guy and uh, such a great addition to the band. And we're just pretty pumped to get out there and go play shows and release more music. Can't stand inside Draw the blood and play it all once
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Brett of Ignite. The song you just heard was, of course, from Ignite. It was called This Day. It's the latest single, the fourth single from the record, as he mentioned in the interview. Uh, There's a video out for it and all that jazz. Go check it out immediately. Stream it on Spotify. Stream it on Apple Music. Stream it wherever you stream music. Stream it as a stream if you really believe in it. I don't think you do. I want to thank Brett once again for taking the time to have that conversation. I do have the whole record by now, and it is great. And I think any fan of Ignite will love it. And I'm stoked to hopefully go see them when they come through Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They're playing that show. Why don't I tell this to the locals? They're playing that show with Don't Sleep, featuring Dave Smalley, of course, of Dag Nasty, all DYS. You know the guy. Uh, Steel Nation is also on that. By the way, all the all these people I've mentioned so far, past Getting It Out podcast guests, and uh, I forget who else is on there. Ripped Away, and I think Lives Lost is the other band. That's at HMAC. Um, forget the date. I want to say May 11th. Sounds right. If I'm wrong, hmm, I don't know. Look it up, man. You have Google. If you're not already doing so, please go to Instagram and follow at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast. And that's the only social media I will push on you. I want you to go to gettingitout.net and bookmark that. There's probably still just a splash page there. I'm not sure what you see, but I see a whole website behind the scenes. It is like done. Okay. And uh, you've heard me say that for about six months, but it's true. Uh, You'll see it eventually one day, who knows when, but it's coming. Uh, I want to once again encourage people who listen to this show who are in bands to send in their music. I will play it on the show. There's a 99% chance of that. Very rarely do I not play it. If you just send me some bullshit link on Instagram, uh, don't, okay? There's a band in there right now. Let's look. Let me call them out. Who's in here right now? Who just sent a request? Who are you, you motherfucker? It is the Carolyn. The Carolyn, uh, I don't know what you sound like, and I'm not going to know what you sound like, because you sent some generic bullshit, like, I'm going to look at this, and you, you lie, and you say you love the podcast, would love to talk. I don't think you even know what the podcast is. You're lying to me. Don't lie to me. This is very transparent. I can see this. I know I know what this is, all right? I get these frequently. And also, if you if you write to the, to the podcast, which is me, and you say, hey, guys, love the show, first of all, you're lying. Because there are not guys here. There is one guy. And I run it all. Okay, that's not like a that's not like an ego thing. I'm just telling you, you clearly, you clearly are not you don't have a clue what I'm doing here because you don't listen to it. I got a I got a message earlier today, an email from a guy who goes by M and he uh, referenced exactly things that make me know that he listened to the show. And I appreciate that. And I'm gonna play his music on an upcoming episode of the podcast. All right, you can do the same thing. We can play your music here. Maybe I'll even talk to you. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little long in the tooth here for this this conversation. Maybe I'm just uh, a little fired up when I read these messages that that's, hey guys, love the podcast. You don't love the podcast. You don't even know what the podcast is. It's ridiculous. Knock it off. It's embarrassing. For who exactly? I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Um, but anyway, speaking of playing music, it's time to play a song and finish this goddamn episode. What song should it be? Well, let me see. I got a good idea. It should be Berthold City. Berthold City. I don't know exactly what Berthold City means, but I do know that a guy with the last name Berthold helped me move once, and then Donald Trump got elected, and then he became a Nazi, so I didn't have to reciprocate the moving thing. You know how somebody moves for you, and then you got to move back for them? I got out of that one. That's the best way to do it. When somebody becomes a Nazi, you don't have to help them anymore. That's how I got out of helping Berthold move. 
Anyway, that has nothing to do with this band, Berthold City. Berthold City is a band from California, probably Southern California. I feel like that's the only part of California that actually has stuff happening in it. And somebody who's really familiar with the geography of California is going to be like, hey man, you're totally wrong. And I'm going to be like, hey man, you're probably right. I don't know. Who knows what's going on out there, bro? Berthold City was formed back in 2017 by vocalist Andrew Klein, who of course is the guitarist for Strife. He's also in World Be Free. He got some other guys from some other bands in it. Uh, there's a member of Internal Affairs, uh, one from Allegiance, and those are the two bands that they were in before that I'm that I know of. All right. Uh, their new record is called When Words Are Not Enough. It's coming out on Klein's War Records on March 18th, at least digitally, probably on CD. And, uh, you know, the way it works now. Vinyl will come eventually. Uh, I, those are my words. This is not, I'm not reading a press release here. I don't know. Maybe their vinyl will be ready on, on March 18th. I you know, what the hell do I know? I'm just putting words in their mouth. That's what I do here. Um, but fortunately for them, they know what's right. And Only Truth Wins. That's the name of this song. So Only Truth will win in this uh, misrepresentation of the band and their new album. But uh, you can listen to it right here. Berthold City's Only Truth Wins. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.